Welcome to Baiyan, podcast about the intersection between American and Taiwanese culture. I'm Joe. With me is Jack. Hello, everyone. And Anna. Hello, everyone. So yeah, so the big news in America right now is, of course, the midterm elections. Um, I, I assume it, has it been covered in Taiwanese media? Yeah. Yes. A lot. A lot. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. What, what is Taiwanese media saying about the midterm elections? Taiwan's media original keeps saying that the red giant wave will appear, and uh, that's what happened in the previous president. Like every president, the midterm election will kind of lose, and uh, that's kind of the destiny. And now the Biden government has so many problems, like the inflation and the, the economic are decreasing. So the media keeps saying that the Democrat will totally win. Uh, no, not Democrats. The Republicans. Republicans. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. This is the you know in America we call the Republicans the red, the Democrats the blue, and this red wave everyone has been talking about, mm. like you said, is this huge surge, expected surge of Republican candidates both in the House and the Senate. Um, yeah, and like you said, that's what everyone was expecting. That's what happens with most presidents' terms. Once they get into power, everyone's unhappy with them. They blame them for all the country's problems, and they vote the other way. Right, mm. so it's exactly what people expected was a huge red wave, Republicans winning and and taking seats over, uh, potentially controlling both the House and the Senate. Mm. And when that happens in American politics, we call it a lame duck presidency. Lame, lame duck. duck, yeah. So lame means uh, injured or ah. cannot move well. Yes. So a lame duck presidency is when. The president is one party, and the Senate and the House are another. It's very difficult for them to make any change because, in the United States political system, we have checks and balances. Right, mm. the Senate and the House are there to balance the power of the presidency or the executive. Yeah. So he will pass a new bill, and they will all vote against it. So basically, nothing will change. Uh, mm. And this was the challenge for Obama: was that a lot of the things that he wanted to accomplish were blocked by a Republican-controlled. Um, majority and so yeah this is what people were expecting with biden but it didn't happen yeah yeah what have you guys heard about that about the results yeah we we actually uh recently taiwan have uh, so many news about american mm. and uh, people not quite uh understand what does this meaning to taiwan but uh, i think one of the theory is that that's because uh, american has more stable the ideology And that uh, stable ideology makes uh, American voters try to balance back previous uh, two three years right wing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's one of the thinking. But uh, we are not sure how does American people think. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, what a lot of these things come down to are what we call battleground states, mm. because you can very accurately predict most seats in the House and Senate. Mm. A lot of those seats are not up for election this year, and then a lot of the seats that are up for election, you're like, oh, this one's definitely going to main stay Republican. This one's going to stay Democrat. But then there's some states that go back and forth. One year they're Democrat, one year they're Republican, and we call these battleground states. And mm. these are the most important elections because they can change the balance mm. one way or the other. So during this particular midterm election, um, one of the biggest victories for the Democrats was Pennsylvania. It was Republican, but they flipped it to Democrat, and uh, it was against a very well-known TV personality, Doctor Oz. 
Have you heard of him? No. no. He's a television doctor who first appeared on Oprah Winfrey's very popular talk show. Now he has his own talk show. And he was endorsed by Trump. So we've seen in the media so far that the interpretation of the way the election is going is that the candidates who are endorsed by Trump did not have a lot of success. Uh, yes. So this is giving us clues as to what may happen in the presidential election that's that's coming up. So the the Republicans does it's not finished yet. There are still some votes being counted and there's a very important runoff election that's going to take place in Georgia where because the vote was so close they will vote again and that Whoa. may decide the balance of the Senate. Because right now the House of Re uh, Representatives is being taken over by the Republicans, it looks like, mm. but not by as much as they thought. Mm. So essentially the Republicans are making gains, but it's not the red wave that people were expecting. Oh, and yes. then this, the Democrats even had some victories that weren't totally expected. Mm. So in general, it's being considered a victory for the Democrats. Um, the story of that victory has been a combination of the red wave not showing up, but also the big story of this election is the young voters. Oh. So uh, a lot of uh, Democrats have been saying that the young voters are showing up in big numbers. Um, I looked at some of the numbers, and that's not actually true. Uh, proportionally, we, we are having a lot of people vote hmm. this in these midterm elections, much more than usual. But it's not particularly that so many more young people are showing up than other ages. It's that the young people who do show up are overwhelmingly voting Democrat. And the big issue that's driving this, for the most part, is women's reproductive rights. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we had the uh, Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade. So now some states are passing laws against abortion. And this has really energized young Democratic voters. People feel very strongly about a woman's right to make choices about her own body. And this issue in particular has gotten a lot of young people to become involved and to get out and vote. And that's been the big story of these midterm elections is young people showing up and voting Democrat overwhelmingly. I think in Taiwan, we also have uh, this kind of situation. We, we also have kind of midterm election also in this year. And in the past uh, few times, uh, midterm election, we will say we want to teach the government a lesson. <laughs> we, <laughs> they, they, they always uh, say this. So the, the government always like losing a lot uh, in, in the midterm election, uh, especially in 2018. 2018, they lose a lot of the mayors changed to another uh, parties. And uh, I think the one big factor is that economy. Like uh, Taiwan's voters, they care so much about the economy and they always unsatisfied. Yeah, because there's so much things need to complain, like the low salary or the high price of the house and each government cannot solve it. So <laughs> we keep trying to, you know, teach the government a lesson. <laughs> and yeah, but uh, in this time, it seems the economy is not a big factor in the uh, United States. Uh, well, it, it's a, actually the number two issue right now. Number two? Yeah, I would say. Uh -huh. I mean, that, that's what it seems like. Uh. People are very concerned about the economy. Inflation, mm. inflation and gasoline prices and the housing market yes. are the, the biggest issues in, in that arena. So women's reproductive rights, probably number one, but economy is close behind in number two. I but see. who people blame or why they think the economy is struggling... You know, uh, it's a lot of finger pointing from side to side. Yeah, but yeah. it's like you said, usually whoever's in power, they get the blame. Mm. When oftentimes the economy that uh, a president inherits is most strongly affected by the policies of his predecessor. Yeah. Mm. So Trump's decisions are a lot 
probably of what will be influencing the American economy now, as much as a American president's decisions can influence an economy. But yeah, whoever's in power always gets blamed. And it's just, I think we have a similar thing in the States where mm. we're also trying to, <laughs> trying to punish the president <laughs> for the economy, you know? Um, yeah, so it's, it's a constant back and forth. And the difficult thing is that, like Taiwan, America needs a lot of change. There are a lot of, a lot of initiatives that need to be undertaken. There's a lot of things that we need to improve on. And it's difficult to do that when you're punishing mm. the incumbent president because it means that he can't get anything done. It's it's not that a balancing exactly. It just means there's a deadlock that the Senate and the House will go against him. He won't be able to change anything and we end up nothing gets fixed. Mm. That's a lot of, again, what happened in Obama's presidency was he had a lot of ideas. There was a lot of momentum for change. Yes, we can. And then everything died in the Senate and the, the House of Representatives because he was opposed by a Republican Congress. So it's it, it is checks and balances and that is good, but it's it's difficult to make any progress when you're constantly mm. uh, in gridlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think unlike Japan's government, J Japan's political world is very stable. Their <laughs> <laughs> their ruling party keep ruling Japan, and Taiwan almost like every eight years yes. will change a party. Mm. Now we we start voting from 1996. That is our first vote, and uh, four years later, 2000 change to another party from authoritarian party changed to a localized party and then eight years later change back and eight years later change again so now the government run by the local party i think this kind of change give many policy like die in the parliament yeah 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 uh, how do you think is this worse yeah i mean it's hard to say you know i mean i do remember Last time we got together, you were talking about a lot of the offshore wind power initiatives mm, that you'd yeah. like to see continued. And yeah, it's a similar problem in the United States. One president will try to change something and then the next president undoes it. I mean, I can't imagine a better system because otherwise what you have is all the power concentrated in one place and that's not good. Mm. But it's difficult when the country's so split and you're going back and forth all the time. There's no consistency in long-term planning. And so I guess the ideal situation would be that the long-term plans were things that we could all agree on. If both parties could say sustainable energy is a priority, continue policies that promote that no matter who's in charge. A civil service that is not partisan, meaning professional uh, employees of the government who focus on their job no matter who's in power. They're, they're not Republican. They're not Democrat. They're American. Mm. Right. I think that's really what's needed. And uh, I heard some interesting interviews this week with, uh, on the Lex Friedman podcast with a, a professional full-time bureaucrat in the American government. And she talked about how American politics are becoming so charged, where you must choose a side. You have to be Democrat or Republican. That something really important is being lost, which is a unifying force within the government that is nonpartisan, that wants what's best for the country, no matter who's in power. I think this is the key to an effective government is uh, a centralized professional bureaucracy that has the best what's best for the country at heart and doesn't concern itself with this party or that party but mm. focuses on the issues that we all as americans or as taiwanese people can agree is important for the country mm. so yeah I, I think that's really the key is having that middle ground which presently is becoming less and less common in the united states sadly mm. so how do you think about this time of uh, midterm election because from my viewpoint i think american try to balance back from a more divided society back to a more inclusive society how do you think 
Yeah, that's the question. You know, it's certainly everyone's, well, not everyone, but that's that's a lot of people's hope in the United mm. States is that we can return to that and uh, heal some of the damage that's been done over mm. the past few years. Because yeah. as you know, America has become increasingly partisan. Yeah. Every issue is now a party issue. Even things that should be public health concerns like COVID become charged with this constant battle between the right and the left. And yeah, a lot of us are hoping for some middle ground and that some of that can be repaired. I don't know that the midterm elections are necessarily improving that. I guess the best indication, the most positive indication from this is the fact that Trump-backed candidates did not do that well. He's a very divisive person, whatever you believe about his personal politics. The era in which he was active was one of the most divisive periods in American political uh, discourse. Yeah, the fact that voters have kind of rejected some of that could indicate that we might see a uh, a more civil <laughs> discourse. But to be honest, I'm not hopeful for that. Not so high competence. Huh? <laughs> I mean, you know, if experience is any teacher, it's that. Um, things are going to get ugly again. Things have been ugly in American politics, uglier than they've been in my entire life. Mm. And uh, I, I'm worried. I'm, I'm genuinely concerned about what this this next presidential election is going to be like. But um, one interesting question is, uh, do you guys know DeSantis? He, he won his political race in Florida by a good margin. And he's someone in the Republican Party who could potentially challenge Trump for the Republican candidacy for president. So the Republican Party will have its own internal elections where they choose who is going to be their candidate for president. Hmm. And Ron DeSantis is probably, the of all the Republicans, the one who would be the most likely to defeat Trump and get the, the nomination from the Republican Party. Oh. So he has not made it public that he's going to run for president, but hmm. everyone everyone knows that he's considering it. Wow. And it seems very likely. And he has enough power to challenge Trump? Definitely, Whoa. definitely. Whoa. So the Republican Party is at a really strange period in their history. They really need to decide which direction they wanted to go. Mm. You know, they really resisted Trump a lot in the mm. beginning. Yeah, He had lots of opponents. Not a lot of them agreed with him. And then he just kept embarrassing <laughs> them on stage. You know, these career politicians, they didn't know how to handle a guy yeah. who was making fun of their wives, calling them stupid, giving them <laughs> nicknames. I mean, he was running circles around them as a showman. And eventually they all just kind of laid down and fell in line and got behind him because he was being successful. Yeah. And essentially they were willing to follow anyone who could bring the Republicans to ascendancy in, uh, in, in politics. Mm. So that's the question is which path are the Republicans going to take? Are they going to fall behind Trump again and let him rally the party and try to take back the presidency? Or are they going to make another decision and go the way of possibly DeSantis from Florida? So we'll Will see. that be more traditional? So I need to learn more mm. about DeSantis. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to be less traditional than Trump. So anyone oh. who's not Trump is going to be <laughs> a more traditional choice, let's say. <laughs> um, but what I know about DeSantis, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's very Republican. I see. Um, which is not always a bad thing, but yeah, he's... I, before I could speak on that subject, I would need to do more research. I yeah. see. Oh. Yeah. So I, I and I will. I need to look into this guy because who knows? Mm-hmm. He could be the next president of the United States. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Taiwan have similar situation. Yeah. We also have a very untraditional <laughs> candidate who appear from nowhere and uh, take over all the party. I think he he win a 2018's mayor's election. And uh, from a very difficult city. And then people think he kind of like kidnapped the KMT. 
because KMT is the original authoritarian party and all the party kind of like follow his path although he's not the traditional guy and uh, he keep challenging the 2020s uh, president position but uh, he failed so now the KMT the traditional party need to decide uh, how they gonna to do are they going to follow this uh, <laughs> like very controversial guy or they will go back to their traditional way to uh, run the election mm. yeah and which way do you think they'll go? I hope they go back to the traditional way. Really? Yeah, because the I think the controversial guy, oh, he can provide some not so constructive policy. And also he can make loud slogan, but the slogan actually not work. For, for my viewpoint, for my viewpoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, I think now Taiwan's issue is that we need to like have communication with China. Like, necessary. Uh, current party, I think they're doing well, but they don't have the communication path with China. And uh, I think even United States, maybe you are China's biggest competition, you still have the communication path with China. So we need this. And uh, the traditional KMT can provide this. Not very pro-China, but uh, we can communicate. I think that's what we need. But the controversial guy, he will, I'm not sure. He He's too pro-China from a viewpoint. Interesting. Yes, yes. Hey, I'm, I'm curious. I wanted to ask Anna's perspective. So w what's your perception of the current American president, Joe Biden? Just your image. What, what do you think of him? Mm. <laughs> Old? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes he looks like uh, he he's not knowing what he's saying or what he's doing. But uh, like uh, one month later, you will think, maybe he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he did this on purpose. <laughs> Just pretend to be too old. <laughs> oh, you think it's, it's all an act. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. How do you think, Anna? <laughs> yeah, but I only view his very little clips from the media. So yeah, I'm not sure mm. about it. Our, our me media mm. keep uh, repeating that he said yes. To United States will protect China. This will protect this Taiwan. Matters, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it makes perfect sense. Of uh, course, that's the number. That's your main interest in American elections. How is this going to affect us back home, right? Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I saw an interesting study about politicians. They did a study where they took pictures of the politicians' faces and they showed them to people on the street and said, "Who do you think would win an election? This person or this person? This person or this person?" Based on the face alone, they could predict who would win these political races mm -hmm. a huge percentage of the time. So it depends on their just appearance? Yeah, just the way that they look. Oh, Taiwan also have yeah, a yeah, sense yeah, yeah. that who has a, a better, better man. <laughs> or... <laughs> Isn't this terrifying? Uh, like what you would hope is that their, their policies, their career history their speeches, their beliefs. These are the things that would decide elections. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's who looks better in a suit, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's the democracy's problem. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we, I think our focus point only a few people. So the, maybe the president or the capital's mayors. And other people, actually, we don't know. And we don't have so many resources to understand that. Yeah, so we just pick out who look good. <laughs> but uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, we, we need to make choice to go to democracy. That means like the basic people, everyone can participate. Even those people who are not well-educated, they also have one vote. And their vote is same quantity with college uh, professor. Their, their votes are same. I think that's democracy. So I, I have to tell you guys, you've, you've 
changed my thinking on some things, I think. You know, we had a, a discussion in our first podcast about this newfound uh, democracy that you have in your country and how you would fly home mm. to participate in the elections and that you feel energized and interested in and involved in politics in your own country. I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, you told me this week that you wanted to talk about the midterm elections. And when you told me that, I was like, I don't know anything about what's happening <laughs> in the midterm elections. Just personally, at this point in my life, I don't participate in American politics. Mm-hmm. And I've started to think that maybe that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to examine my own my own thoughts and my own feelings and my own ideas. And I'm really putting some thought into my decision not to participate in politics. I'll tell you why I don't participate in politics. I don't have faith in politicians. I don't have faith in the American government. I I don't believe that a choice between a Democrat and a Republican is a good choice. I feel like I'm given two bad choices and I have to make the one that's the least bad, right? Um, There's only one politician in the history of the United States I've ever been interested in and voted for, and that was Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. And the reason he got me interested in politics was because he was the only politician who was speaking to the things that matter to me. I feel like, especially by maintaining a two-party system in the United States, we're able to keep the conversation into a small amount of choices. It's the illusion of choice, right? Mm. People feel as if, oh, I can choose Democrat or I can choose Republican, when really, in a lot of the issues that matter to me, Democrats and Republicans actually agree. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Neither of them are addressing the things that are important to me. One of those things is campaign finance reform, which is about where does the money come from that fuels political campaigns, right? That's a big issue to me because... If these politicians are getting their money from corporations and private donors, then whose interests are they going to be uh, looking after once they get into office? You know, um, if you look at the calendar of a American senator or any American politician, really, for every 30 days they spend in office, 20 days out of that 30 days, 20 days in a month are spent campaigning for the next election getting campaign contributions, go, you know, they spend all of their time and all of their energy just keeping themselves in office and very little of their time actually doing the job that they're there to do, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I just, beyond that, with a lot of personal experiences I've had of places where I've felt like the American government has, uh, has not done its job for me as a citizen, I don't feel that I'm provided with the things that uh, my taxes are supposed to pay for. Mm. Um, so I have a lot of frustration and resentment of the American political system. But, you know, it got me thinking when you guys were talking about your passion for your own democracy and realizing what a amazing opportunity it is that you have the opportunity to vote. Uh, I started thinking that maybe it's the wrong decision for me not to get involved. Whoa. Maybe maybe I need to become more politically active. Just educating myself about the issues, taking the time to research who's in who's up for election and then actually going and voting. So yeah, I'm starting to think that maybe uh it's immature of me to be to take my frustration with the system and just say, "Okay, that's it. I'm not going to participate." I think maybe maybe I'm wasting an opportunity that I should value more highly. Mm. What do you guys think? Mm. yeah that's a big credit thank <laughs> you and uh, uh i think we have this kind of passion or we start to uh, participate uh because 2014 there's a big protest in taiwan and we force the government change the direction and we start to thinking that maybe we have some power 
can influence our government to do something. Before that, I think no, we we are same attitude as you. Like、uh, nothing we can do, just let them take the power and let them make the decision. But after 2014, we start to participate. But this time, 2022, we won't fly back because we we don't have so many、uh, day of quota. But for Taiwanese, we cannot post vote, so、uh, that's more difficult. For United States, you can vote by post, right? Yeah, that's right.、Mm-hmm. So even midterm election, you also can. Vote here. I believe so. Yeah. So can I ask what kind of mail package will you receive? I've I've never voted by mail, so I don't know.、Oh. <laughs> oh, so so do you receive anything? Do do they like?、Um, you can see their candidate and their policy they want to. Yeah,、promote. all that information's、oh. out there and available.、Uh, you just have to do the work. You know,、oh. they they don't exact. No one's going to make you vote, right?、Mm. It's it's an option. And there are people who go out and educate voters and find voters. For example, Democrats will call people and they'll ask you who you like, and if you like Democrats, they okay, let's get you registered to vote. So there are people who will who will educate about that and who will help get you registered and get you information.、Um, but it's generally partisan, right? It's people looking to promote their own political parties. So yeah, that's that's part of the burden of democracy is that it's up to you to do the work. You know, no one's going to do it for you. You have to go out, educate yourself. Um, you have to register. You have to do all the work of of、um, you know of voting. Yeah, it's something I've only ever done once in my life. There's only one candidate I liked, but whether I like the candidates or not,、uh, I'm thinking I'm going to start participating regularly in elections. Even if the candidates I vote for get a very small percentage of the votes, which they probably will,、um, that's okay. It's, it's still important that I participate. I'm starting to think. There's another、uh, conversation I just heard yesterday. That in addition to what you guys said, really got me thinking about this subject. It was、uh, the Lex Friedman podcast, and he had a guest on whose online name is Destiny.、Mm. Uh, he's a, a streamer. He was a gamer in the past, and he, he talked about how a lot of American people don't have much faith in the American political system. You know, that's very common. Even people who are voting, a lot of times they're voting motivated by that distrust of the American political system. But he he brought up a really good question. He said, "Name one issue that's important to the American people that is not being worked on by their representatives right now. For example, can he, can you name anything that's important to most Americans that the government is not paying attention to? Can you name one issue?" And I, I stopped and I thought about that, and it's a really good point. Even though the things that I care about are not necessarily being talked about in the government. If enough American people do care about something, it eventually, in one form or another, does get addressed by the government. So, just because the system isn't perfect and because it hasn't always done the things for me that I wish it would have,、uh, doesn't mean that I should just write the whole thing off, and doesn't mean that democracy is a failure.、Uh, it just means that I might be in the minority, and in that case, that's okay. That the things that I believe are not necessarily what's happening—that's representative democracy. Yeah. It's it's still important that I participate, so I'm starting to change my thinking about this. Wow! So, wow! So、we'll、yeah, yeah. Okay, I have another question, also about democracy, because I think American always be considered as a lighthouse of democracy. Yeah, and but the,、uh, recently, a、uh, United States a democracy encountered so many issues. <laughs> How do you think about the、uh, United States democracy? Will United States fix it, or will we go to a more conflict? Pass. I wish I knew the answer. <laughs> that is the question right now, and 
that's part of what has been so sad about recent history in American politics is that's mm. something that Americans have been able to pride themselves on in the past is that we have, like you said, they're the lighthouse, a beacon of democracy for the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, that's the perception anyways. And yeah, that's something truly special and really valuable. I, you know, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. So I, I'm hoping for and imagining that that's the way that things will go. There's always going to be people on the fringes who are extreme but I'm hoping that they remain there on the fridges, that it doesn't become mainstream. I mean, as you know, a common belief of a lot of Republicans is that the election was stolen, that mm, Joe Biden yeah. did not actually win, that there was mm. voter fraud, mm -hmm. and that all these things occurred. Um, yeah, that's the breakdown of democracy that you're referring to. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's terrifying. You know, it mm. was for the first time, a long time that I, you know, and certainly in my entire life, we had you know, people contesting election results. I mean, something similar happened to that with uh, Gore and Bush. Ah, uh, yes. Where it all came down to Florida and these questionable votes, and it went to the Supreme Court. But at the end of the day, that was resolved, and it wasn't resolved with violence or coup attempts, mm, you know. Mm, mm. The fact that we had people actually marching in Washington, D.C., trying to, you know, break into government facilities and find politicians mm. and threaten them with violence. Um, the fact that so many people believe that the election process was illegitimate. I mean, that really strikes at the heart of the validity of the American political system. So I think we're, we stepped to the edge of the cliff and I think we're going to take some steps back now. That's my own personal hope and belief mm -hmm. is that we will, we will go back to a more civilized way of conducting <laughs> our democracy. I, I have no reason to believe that, but it's just what I'm choosing to believe because I have to stay positive and, uh, hope for the best because I don't want to live in that other world. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always very uh, interesting that how United States are so special. Mm. Like, uh, uh, like I, I, I read a report it's uh, talking about the, the democracy has so many reforms all over the world. Uh, like uh, New Zealand and Canada, maybe also Taiwan. Like we try to sim simplify the election process because in the old uh, pattern, the election process will take days to months and uh, it's too long and inefficiency. But uh, this reform not happening in United States. Mm. Yeah, and uh, how come United States work in this pattern but still working? <laughs> we have a lot of problems in our uh. political system in the United States right now. As much as relative to other countries, our democracy may be, you know, somewhat young. Mm -hmm. It's actually quite old if you think about it, considering how how long ago the Constitution was written. Yeah, guys were wearing wigs and writing with quills when this thing was <laughs> written, right? Yes. They look at where we are now, and we're still using the same basic structure. It, it's it's overdue for a change, in my opinion. It needs a change. Like take for example gerrymandering. Do you know mm. what gerrymandering is? No. no. Gerrymandering is a huge problem in the United States. Essentially, what happens is politicians, local politicians, come into power in a state and they redraw the voting districts, right? They change the borders and the lines. So, for example, what they'll do in, let's say, Georgia is they will change the district to put all of the minorities into one district. That way they can only affect the votes in that district and not other districts. Wow. So in general, Republicans in the United States greatly benefit mm. from gerrymandering, which are mm. these 
stupid laws that dis- and if you look at some of the borders that they've drawn for who's in which voting district it's very unnatural it's not a natural shape and you can see that they're manipulating the system to change the outcome of the election mm. so there's lots of these little loopholes that politicians and political parties take advantage of oh. for their own benefit i i think our system is in need of a lot of change you know i would like to see true representative democracy mm. which in the united states we have quote unquote representative democracy where we vote for the people who will vote for things right uh, yes but we don't vote directly for our president in the united states mm-hmm. we choose the president and then the electoral college who are representatives from each state then actually go and cast the vote and there's actually been several times in american history where the electoral college chose a different president than who the people chose mm. that's happened not recently, but it's happened in American history. So we don't even actually directly choose our president. What I would like to see is a more modern system that makes use of modern technology, for example, where let's say there's a big decision being made, should the U.S. go to war in Iraq? Mm. And there's an app on your phone where uh, you know nonpartisan mm. um, sources can give information and background on the subject. People can go and scroll through and learn about, you know, educate themselves on the subject, and then at the bottom, you vote, <laughs> yes or no. And that's how decisions are made. This whole thing of choosing someone who's going to go tour around the country and lie to you mm. about what they're going to do when they become president, and then for four years, they're just sitting in there making all their own decisions, and you're just along for the ride? Yeah. What is this system, you know? <laughs> I, I would like to see us leverage technology to create a more directly representational democracy where people... Because you talked about how, you know, both the college professor and the average person on the street, they both have one vote. But I think that's a beautiful thing. I I genuinely believe in the wisdom of the individual. I think that whether someone's educated or not, that people are basically good. And if you take the collective wisdom Mm -hmm. of the people of a country, you're going to end up okay. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely believe that. So I would like to see... I also think that a system like that would get people more involved in the process. And you could see that your vote was directly going to make decisions... I don't like this system of choosing someone and then just being like, okay, we chose you. Good luck for the next four years because they're under, they don't have to do any of the things that they promised you. And they generally don't. Hmm. That's what politicians are famous for is making a lot of promises, getting into office, and then serving all the people who gave them money to get there. Yeah, I also heard that in United States, the company's donation to the politician is no limit limitation. Yeah, it's, it's complicated, uh. but... Even if there is a limit on it, which there, there, there are limits in many cases, there's a million ways to get around that. Aww. So do you guys know about speaking fees? Yeah. Do you know why so many of our American politicians are so rich? Do you know where they make a lot of their money from? Speaking fees. So let's say I am a, a politician. I'm the president of the United States, right? I can't take money personally from you, a company. I can take a certain amount of money from you into my campaign, but I cannot use those campaign funds for my own personal life. However, after I've become president or whatever, um, you can invite me to come speak at your company. Wow. And I will come wow. give a 30-minute speech about whatever. And then you will pay <laughs> me huge, exorbitant sums of money for this speaking fee. Wow. Right? Wow. This is just one of a lot of the different ways that uh, political figures enrich themselves from their position. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's corruption. It's, uh, it's legalized corruption. I see. Okay. Seems yeah. We we both yeah need to ha- have so many work need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's uh it's an education for both of us. But 
you know, the, the positive takeaways are that we did have a good turnout for votership in the United States. Young people are getting involved and they're being credited with strongly swaying these midterm elections. It's mm. the big story of it. And that's exciting. You know, young people are our future. And if they're engaged and they're involved, I think that's a good thing. And they're motivating me to get engaged and involved. So that's a that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Good to hear that. <laughs> and and good luck to Taiwan's uh, November's midterm election. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to follow it. You guys will have to keep me updated with what's going on. I believe the current government will kind of lose or 50-50. Yeah, that's what always happens. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's the back and forth nature of politics, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a couple interviews to read to you guys today. I actually interviewed two different people. You guys okay to jump to that? Sure. Sure. Okay. So today we'll start with the uh, first Lao Baixing interview. This is a 12-year-old girl uh, who lives in New Mexico. And I asked her, what do you know about Taiwan? She said, uh, not really anything. <laughs> they have elephants, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's yes, like, we do. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought she. I, I thought she didn't know what she's talking about. You guys have elephants? Uh, just in zoo. <laughs> yeah, just in zoo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe from Thailand. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, okay, that makes more sense. I was like, how did elephants swim out to Taiwan? I'm curious. Um, and then she said, I think it's an Asian country. She mm. said, oh. correct. So, okay, hey, she's got something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I said, what do you think people in Taiwan do for a living? So, um. Just normal stuff, <laughs> she said. Also correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you know, she, she admitted she didn't know a lot about it. Um, but I, I basically explained to her that um, President Biden had stated that in the case of an invasion by China, the U.S. would uh, intervene. And I said, why do you think that is? Why do you think the United States is willing to go to war with a country like China over this, you know, over Taiwan? She said, well, because it's really important for a country to have their own freedom, like what's going on in Ukraine right now and stuff. Just like they deserve to have their own freedom. They're their own country and they don't want to be taken over by China. So I think it's right for us to help them if that ever happens. Because a lot of countries have like, just like the US broke away from Britain, other countries have that experience of not having freedom when the country they broke away from didn't want them to. Wow. Is she really terrible? Yeah. Yeah, years she's 12 years old. old. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought that was very interesting because I didn't I didn't think about that about our own country's history of when the United States broke away from Britain. You know, similar thing. We were a colony, we wanted self-governance, Britain didn't want us to have it. We went to war over it. And and I realized listening to her speak about this what a fundamental part it is of American culture, this concept of freedom and self-governance. It's it's really essential to what it means to be an American. It's a big part of what shapes American beliefs. And you can see even her at the age of 12, she has a strong concept and understanding of this right to self-governance, the, the importance of freedom. I mean, if I had to sum up American culture in one word, it would be the word freedom. That's the word that comes up over and over again in these interviews. When I ask people about, about this issue, even if they didn't know about the details of it, Freedom is what it always comes down to. People deserve freedom. They deserve the, the, op the opportunity to make decisions about how they're going to run their own community or country or whatever group it is. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now the piece that's missing from this is that because she's 12, she doesn't say what all the older people have said, mm. which is the evolution of your understanding of 
America and its place in the modern world, which is all, all the older people say, well, yes, freedom's great, but something must be in it for us, right? Yes. And, and at 12 years old, they still have this beautiful, pure concept of freedom and its relation to America. They think that the reason that America goes around the world and gets involved in conflicts is because someone out there's freedom is being attacked and we're going to save it. Wow, so beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope, I, she, I hope she holds on to it as long as she can. <laughs> yeah, thanks her, thanks her. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I totally agree. Actually, for Taiwanese people, because we already enjoy the freedom, 30 years. Yeah, and uh, actually all we want to do is just secure our life. And as you mentioned, we are very practical people because we have to. So actually for me, I don't care what my country's name is. No matter it's uh, Taiwan or Republic of China or whatever it is. For me, country or nation maybe is an old concept. But, but currently it's still necessary because it's secure my life. <laughs> yeah, so for me, any, any option is acceptable just to secure our freedom life. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what's important to you? You're saying is securing your life. So yeah. being safe, yeah. having food to eat, yeah. having security. Mm. So then, would you agree to be under a military dictatorship if no. you knew it would provide those things for you? No, no, no. Why no, not? No. Because also our life involves our freedom. Oh, so so having self governance. Yes. The ability to make decisions. Yeah, ability to influence That's government. Part of it. Okay. If their policy is totally offense my benefit or like a threat my property or, or life, I, I need to have the power to fight back. That's my our vote. Mm. And uh, that's uh, recently how we live. Yeah, so yeah, any, any option is acceptable just to secure our lifestyle. Mm and keep this way going. I see. So an essential part of your lifestyle mm. is that freedom and that right to self-governance yeah. and uh, democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Interesting. Mm. So uh, the last thing I asked her is, if you had a message to send to people in Taiwan, what would it be? Uh, she said, oh, gosh, I don't know. She's like, <laughs> well, what, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> and so she said, I, I wish I knew more about their culture. I think that would be cool. I just don't learn that much about other cultures in school or anything. So I just want to know more about people from Taiwan. Oh. Welcome to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will bring you to Zun to see the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> she would love that. So she's going to listen to this. I told her I'd send her a link. Um, what can you guys tell her about Taiwan? What does she need to know about your country? Our country is beautiful and uh uh, we don't have the pink elephant, but we have <laughs> the normal elephant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, be ready. And it's very hot if one day you visit. It's uh, very hot. And people are very friendly. Mm, yeah. And food is good. Please prepare it for your Stomach. stomachs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome. <laughs> I know she'll appreciate that. Anna, what do you think is the most important thing to understand about Taiwanese culture and people? I think we are very inclusive because we was colonized with many countries before. So we are open-minded. So for us, like to learn a second language or a third language or to like try other countries' food, for us, it's very easy. Mm. 
So very international, very open-minded. Open-minded, uh, yes. Open-minded, yes. International, no, maybe no. Fifty <laughs> percent, because we already isolated from international society for a long time. Mm. I think that's one reason that uh, Taiwanese people are not very used to, you know, hang out with uh, foreigner people. Really, mm. Mm. we yeah. are not in the UN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really think about that. That's interesting. Uh, so. Mm. In, in what ways has Taiwan been isolated from the rest of the world? I think in the early stage, maybe 1560s, uh, there are many uh, United States soldiers who are living in Taiwan. At that period, it's very common to meet foreigners in Taipei. But uh, after that, we are a highly single-race country, and uh, usually we are not a very famous tourist place. Usually people are not used to hang out, or we don't know how to deal with the foreigner. Mm-hmm. But basically, we are very friendly. Mm, yeah, mm, mm. but international, maybe no. I remember our Italian friend, and they came to Taiwan to visit us. When they departed oh. to Taiwan, they need to fill up some form and then explain the reason that why they want to visit Taiwan. And they are very surprised because there is no options about tourists. <laughs> to, <laughs> They they think why so <laughs> so there's no tourists want to come to Taiwan why there's no these options mm. oh. interesting do you think Taiwan could develop its tourism industry mm. uh. compared to Japan maybe no no why not J- Japan is very you know very well developed of this kind of tourist spot Taiwan I think not yet. We uh, usually do business with Chinese people because it's easy. We speak the same same language and culture are similar. So you know, you don't need to get used to foreign's culture or foreign's rule. Yeah. So I think not yet ready, not prepared ready. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, who knows? Maybe my my twelve year old niece will be your first uh, <laughs> tourist. Good, yeah. good. No, I'm sure many people go to Taiwan. I, I know people who've who've lived and visited the area. But yeah, it's. It's not an international tourist destination mm. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Great. Well, now she, after listening to this, she will know more about Taiwan than she did. Um, since it was a short one, I did a second interview, mm. also very short. This is a 44-year-old female, also living in New Mexico. So I asked her, what do you know about Taiwan? She said, well, I know it's in China. She said, it's kind of a cliche that everything is made in Taiwan, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. I assume it's a pretty big metropolis because I've heard of it. Maybe not as big as Hong Kong, but pretty big. So, mm. again, most people, they don't necessarily know a lot about Taiwan. She she kind of thought of it as a city somewhere mm. in China, mm. I think, is what she was thinking of. Because she kept calling it a city. Uh, and I said, what do you think people in Taiwan do for a living? She said, well, I imagine the tech industry is pretty big. Wow. I imagine it to be a pretty affluent city. Uh, you know, rich, lots of money. Mm. Pretty modern, a center of commerce, lots of business and manufacturing, marketing, media, etc. So she imagined it as very modern, metropolis, lots of money, lots of business. That was her perception. I think she's talking about Singapore. (laughs) (laughs) Or Hong Kong. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think those descriptions quite fit Singapore and Hong Kong. Mm. Or maybe Taipei. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Th- th- what mm. she's saying is a lot of kind yeah. of how I imagined mm. Taiwan also before I learned a little bit more. Um, I think this is most people's image. And, mm. and like I said, she mentioned it's a cliche that everything is made there. These uh-huh. little stickers I made see. in Taiwan. This is this is your uh, diplomat to the rest of the world. This is how most of us are introduced to Taiwan is we turn this thing upside down <laughs> and we see made in Taiwan. 
What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, and then I asked her, you know, the same question about United States getting involved in a conflict between China and Taiwan. And I said, so why do you think the United States uh, would do that? She said, semiconductors. Mm. Um, she said, because we have a vested economic interest in Taiwan. As with many of our military endeavors, there's an economic piece. Mm. It's for, but she said, however, it is fortunate that our economic interests line up with their desire to have their own country because they deserve that. Wow. So, so yeah, again, this is what all the adults that I interview say. Mm. If you ask them, why is the United States interested in uh, intervening in Taiwan? They said, well, there must be something in it for us. Mm. But it's good because, you know, most American people that I talk to, they are in favor of preserving democracies and maintaining people's right to self-governance. But they know that this is not the motivation, the only motivation of our government, right? This is this is an adult's understanding of the world. Uh, and yeah, so I, that's what a lot of people have said, something similar to this so far. Yeah, thanks her. Mm -hmm. She said we deserve a country. Yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> we deserve. <laughs> and then I said, if you have any message to send to Taiwan, what would it be? She said, I hope you guys get further down your path to independence. I hope you're independent and free and safe. Oh, thanks her. Thanks her. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting interviews. Mm -hmm. We're starting to see some trends in these interviews. A lot of people, you know, they don't know all the details, but they mm -hmm. have a okay understanding of the basic outline of the situation. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought, uh, I thought, I thought it's interesting to see what your average person thinks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. <laughs> Thank you for the interview. I love it. My pleasure. Next next week, uh, next time's interview should be very interesting. Oh. Someone who, so I have someone who's lived in Taiwan. Wow. So they'll have a more personal experience with it, and uh, yeah, th they they also like to roll their eyes a lot. So <laughs> I, I, I cannot promise you it's all going to be positive, but uh, it will be real. I will love it. <laughs> I will love it. We we also very curious uh, how how foreigner who live in Taiwan what's their viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there's uh, also, I think, some similarity with China. We, we love to see foreigners who live in Taiwan and they become YouTuber and say so many things about Taiwan's good points. Oh. The food is so good. People are so friendly. No, I, 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 want, to, I want to say, no, you are lying. <laughs> <laughs> there must be some downside. You just oh. hide it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. These parts mm. are, are good to hear too because... When people are critical, mm. that's a lot of times where you learn the most, it's yeah. right? And yeah. people generally don't like to share that information. But this person I'm going to interview, they're not shy. So oh, okay. We're going to, and who knows? Maybe it will be positive, all of it. Mm. But okay. if it's not, if his experience was not positive, yeah. he's going to let me know. That's the type of person. We are ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, so lastly, uh, I understand that you guys have something, uh, a, a new word you're going to teach me this week. Yes. Uh, I think same with Bai Yan. Okay. It's similar. Yeah, but it's Sa Yan. Sa Yan. Oh, mm. yes. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, it's like the uh, uh, English uh, face palm. Face palm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think similar with Bai Yan. Mm. But Sa Yan is more like not so attractive. Attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bayan is more like your behavior is not acceptable. Oh. And Sayan is like, oh, this situation is so Awkward. stupid. Stupid. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
Mm. So, for example, what what's a what's a situation where I could use this phrase? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. So you okay. mentioned in English we say facepalm. Yes. Yeah. Facepalm we use when you regret something you've done. For example, maybe you're in a social situation and you say something and then you realize it was a huge mistake. That's a facepalm moment, right? When you want to slap your palm into your face and say, why did I say this? Right? That's how we use facepalm. Oh. oh. Or maybe not so similar. Maybe mm. different? Yeah, because Saiyan is more like for other people's behavior. Uh, so, uh, if someone mm. say a very lame joke, then mm-hmm. we can answer Saiyan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Uh, so, I think we have another uh, phrase in English which I want to teach you mm. that means same thing. Oh. And maybe you know this phrase, but this is um, cringe. Cringe. Oh, yeah, have yeah, yeah. Have you heard yeah, cringe? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, it, it's. We used to use the term cringeworthy, which describes something that made you cringe. To cringe is when they, you physically, uh, you feel how awkward and yeah. uncomfortable something is. So young people these days will say, that's so cringe, or you're so cringe. For example, if you make, like you said, really lame joke and no one laughs, they just look at you and like, you are so cringe. <laughs> you know? Okay, so the other word I want to teach you guys, and the yes. words I'm interested in, are new words and mostly those are being created on the internet hmm. so this term is called copium 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 so it's a combination of two words cope yes and opium do you no. know what opium is no no well this is a good word to learn opium is a drug popular ah. in china that's made from poppies yeah oh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. There were the opium wars oh. yes. back in um, Chinese history between Britain and China. Mm, yeah. So opium it is a family of drugs that people generally use for pain relief, right? Mm. Yeah. It kind of makes you uh, drowsy, makes you tired, and uh, takes away pain. Yeah. Right? And that's being combined with the word cope. So do you know what it means to cope with something? Yeah, deal with something. Exactly, yeah. So if we put cope and opium together, it becomes copium. And what this means is that you are trying to make yourself feel better with something not true. So, for example, if you guys say, Joe, that joke was not funny. That was so cringe. That was Yen, Then I would say, well, it's just the language barrier. You know, English is your second language. That's why it's not funny to you. And you say, no, Joe, that's copium. It means I'm trying to make myself feel better with a lie. Right. Oh. So when you use a lie to try to make yourself feel better, we call that copium. I see. It's like plausible. Like what? Uh, and not plausible. 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 Mm, a little different. It's uh. something that's not true specifically. Oh. And you're trying to use it like a drug to to help your pain, but really you're just coping with your failure. Oh. What we use this for. So it's a very specific term. But it's new, and it's used usually in gaming, on the internet, uh, so a young person's phrase. And I find it very interesting, so copium. Copium. Mm. I think copium has a uh, Mandarin. We can call it RQ. RQ? Oh. Yeah. oh. It's more like a... Mm, uh, you win in your spirit world. <laughs> <laughs> RQ. Yeah. You're, you're 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 in your spirit world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You win like uh, 
uh, I'm, I'm in charge of uh, my house. I don't afraid of my wife. When I want to wash, wash the dish, I wash the dish. When I want to clean the room, I clean the room. My wife has nothing can say uh-huh, like uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kidding themselves. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh interesting. Copium. Copium. Hey, very cool. cool. So I will remember this. Cyan, along with Le Sehua. Oh, Le Sehua. Nice. Bukuchi. Oh. Is that right? Yes. 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 Okay, good. Yeah. And I'll have to find an opportunity to use this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed this very much. And uh, yeah, good luck to uh, Taiwan and its upcoming elections. And good luck to us. We'll mm-hmm. need it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.